Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Sharp Lessons Podcast, everybody. We are Stadium Sports Betting Podcast, and this is a special one. Yeah. We got Nate Jacobson, Ben Wittenstein, and Nate were in person for the first time ever for this podcast. Yeah, we started this, what, May 2021. Now it's May 2022, and we've always done it at our uh, respective apartments with yeah. our own camera, computer, and now we're in person, face-to-face. Crazy. I'm looking at you. I'm looking at the <laughs> uh, Sears Tower in Chicago out the window at the stadium office. So feels a little weird, so bear with us if there's some maybe awkwardness because we're so used to the, the uh, regiment of doing Skype and yeah. uh, doing it online or from our own apartment. So uh, looking forward to this, and hopefully there will be some more opportunities like this uh, going forward yeah we're vaccinated i think we both had runs and run-ins with covid so we're all good here i have not yet not yet wow just dancing dancing between the raindrops (laughs) you were in new orleans a couple weeks ago that's pretty impressive (laughs) yeah yeah i don't know how that didn't happen but trying to stay safe just like the rest of the sports world and uh we'll see what it goes from there well this was the perfect day to do it because weirdly there's no nba games on this thursday as we record and I don't know how that happened. I don't know how the NBA set it up, but there's no NBA games on a Thursday night, which is like usually their big night for games anyway. Yeah, I think what happened, and just kind of looking at it, if if the Grizzlies-Timberwolves series went to Game 7, they would have played Game 7 Sunday, then maybe Game 1 Tuesday, and this would have been the Game 2. But because that wrapped up, just kind of a reset in the NBA schedule. But honestly it's okay i'm just trying to figure out bets for the weekend friday and saturday and it works out well for taping this as we're taping this on a thursday afternoon uh, so we'll be able to cover and you'll have plenty of time to listen to our previews for the games friday and saturday yeah it's perfect we do this podcast leave work celebrate cinco de mayo (laughs) and then treat our hangovers with some nba basketball on friday uh but let's get just get into it because we got some nba playoff games friday and saturday the lines are already out for it so we have everything that we have to talk about these games. We could start with the Heat and the 76ers. Heat up 2-0 in the series. And honestly, Nate, they've looked pretty dominant. And as dominant as we expect them to. The 76ers know Joel Embiid. Yeah. But that line, as it goes back to Philly, is minus 1.5 for the Heat. Total at 210. I just I find it very hard to bet against the Heat with no Joel Embiid on the 76ers. And I, I honestly, in my notes, I put bet the Heat all the way up to minus 3. I know the 76ers are back home. I don't think they're going to have Joel Embiid by you Friday. Okay. And, it, I, you know, there's news. People are saying, well, he might come back, and, and we're not sure. And it looks like the line's reflecting the fact that he's not going to be back. So I would ride the heat up to minus three in, my, in this game. I don't see them losing to the 76ers team that really can't figure it out. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, that it's either Embiid's playing and very hurt or he's not playing at all based on the line with the heat now a short road favorite in game three. Uh, the Sixers were 
outmatched in games one and two. Heat covered both games. They closed seven and a half in both games. So if you kind of flip home court, maybe three points each way, you would arrive at Heat minus one and a half, which is where the line is basically right now. There's some Heat minus one, pretty much a consensus favorite as we record at 2.30 Eastern on Thursday. So check that Embiid status. Find out what he's going to be. Based on the odds, like I said, he probably is going to be not going to play or going to be limited if he does uh, get ruled in. I would definitely take a look at the Heat maybe as an underdog because I'd imagine the Sixers would become favorite. What I'm interested in with this game, and it's something that's been talked about a lot, and I think we talked about on the podcast two weeks ago, teams down 2-0 at home, you're going to get their best effort in Game 3. They're back yeah. at home. They're down the series. The season's on the line. And that's reflected in the spread where the Sixers, even though they're an underdog for the game currently, they're one-and-a-half-point favorite on the first half line. So a lot of the value sucked out there. There was four instances in the first round where that happened. Uh, teams down 2-0 were 2-2 two and two against the spread in the first half, 1-3 and three against the spread full game. And one of those examples was when the Sixers were in Toronto, ended up winning in overtime, covering the spread, but the Raptors were pretty much covering for all 53 minutes of that game, including overtime. So maybe a 76ers first half way would be the way I look. But I really need to know more about Joel Embiid and how the market reacts to him being in or out. Yeah, I had that same exact thought in game two. I bet 76ers plus five and a half for the first half, and they couldn't even cover that. Yeah. So I'm a little weary of doing that. And I know the Heat at times have not started out games hot. But because it's the playoffs, because it's the Heat, and you know what they can do with player development and how they kind of lock in at playoff time – I'm just I'm worried and I know those first half bets and I have a bunch of first half bets coming up for some of these games so I love the first half right but I just don't know I I don't see it for the 76ers James Harden he's old he's done like I don't know what's wrong with the guy I don't know if it's just age I don't know if this is kind of how he's always been as a player because he used to get those fouls called on him and they don't call those anymore so he's maybe being exposed I'm just done I'm done with the 76ers I'm not gonna ride with them (laughs) at all with anything until they show me otherwise or unless Joel Embiid comes back I'm riding the heat for everything, and like I said, as long as they go up to like minus three, I'm okay with it because I can see the game, I guess, being close with the 76ers being at home, um, and I don't know what their team total is. I rode their team total in game two over 99 and a half, and that actually hit. So if they're yeah. under 100 for their team total, I may bet the over, um, but I know that total is a little higher than it was in game two, or game, yeah, game two at 210 and a half now for game three. I don't know. I'm riding with with Miami all the way. Yeah, the game one and game two closed the total at 208.5. Game one went well under. Game two went over. So it kind of makes sense. There's a little bit of adjustment up to 210.5 right now, especially with the outside shot that Embiid is playing or at least effective. So I, I kind of agree with the, the spread in this game. And if just want some context, when before Embiid, the orbital injury and the and the concussion, where we found out Shams reporting on Friday night, the Heat were minus four in Game One at home. They also had some injuries themselves, where Butler missed Game Five, the closeout game against the Hawks. Lowry's status was in doubt, so that might have been a little bit of Heat injury at Heat minus four. We saw about a three and a half point adjustment from the pre-Embiid injury to the post news about him being out and the Heat covered both games so if Embiid was healthy and like the whole series and the Heat were still up 2-0 I think the 76ers would probably be favorite by Mm -hmm. like a bucket or something yeah so I think that based on this line it seems 
unlikely that uh, yeah, like you said, Embiid doesn't seem like the spread or the market thinks he's going to play. Basically, yeah, that, that's what it seems like. And when you're concussed and have that injury, it's it could take a while for you to get back. So it's understandable. And the Heat are going to win the series. I, I don't see a reason yeah. or a way that they lose this series especially if Joel Embiid doesn't come back. And even if Joel Embiid comes back, they have a very high hill to climb to be able to beat this yep. Heat team. Absolutely. But if you do believe in the Sixers, win four of the next five games, you can get them. <laughs> Chop around. Good but luck. Plus 650 is the line I wrote down uh, before the show, which Man. doesn't seem very likely. It looks like the Heat will be going on the Eastern Conference. And for their sake, if they can clinch early, get Lowry healthy, Butler could rest up. That'd be huge for them, especially then they'd host game one and two of the Eastern Conference Finals in Miami. Let's go west. Not as west as Phoenix, but let's go to Texas, to Dallas. Suns minus one and a half in game three against the Mavs. 219 and a half. You can find some 220s. Uh, this series is another one where I look at the Suns, Nate, and I think this is a team that's just going to destroy the Mavericks. Luka can't play defense. The Mavs can't play defense. They can't score. They can't stop DeAndre Ayton unless DeAndre Ayton gets in foul trouble. So, really, he's the only one that can stop himself. Suns all the way for me here. However, I will say this. Let's go first half. Yeah. Let's go Dallas first half. Now, you were pointing this out before we started. They're favorites in the first half on the spread and on the money line, I think, because I see them as minus one first half and I'm still going to take it. Yeah, it's a very similar situation to the uh, the Heat 76ers game where 76ers down 2-0. Now, in this case, the Mavericks down 2-0. They're at home. Got to expect their best effort at least for 24 minutes. But it's reflecting the number where the Suns, short road favorite. But just like the 76ers, favored by Mavericks favored by one and a half in the first half. So yeah. you're paying a little bit of a premium. If you want to back Dallas on the first half, that's all built into the – the really strong trend that we see in the NBA playoffs, especially like 2017, which is the year where like all the teams who were down 2-0 covered in the first half. Uh, but I I think I have to go look at Dallas first half, just expecting oh, yeah. them to play their best. Suns close six and a half game one, close six and a half game two, one and covered easily. Total first game two fourteen and a half. They bumped it up three points because it went well over the total two seventeen and a half last night. Uh, Wednesday night goes over again pretty easily and now we're out to 219 220 so maybe I don't know do you think you want to play an under after two overs I was thinking that the under was actually the play last night just because the game won there was such good shot making and there'd be regression that obviously wasn't the case I wonder if if the Mavericks are going are to play well and possibly win this game are they going to want the game to be a little lower scoring, or are they going to be okay playing a potential shootout like the first two games in Phoenix? Well, Dallas was – they were a defensive team throughout most of the regular thinking, season. Yeah. So I don't know, like, if this is the moment where they're like, all right, we really have to just focus on defense. Luka's going to score his 30, and really you hope Brunson gets his 15 to 20, and yeah, that's the other problem is Brunson can't score. Right. Uh, and I put Jalen Brunson over 17.5 points as a prop that I kind of liked because – He's been terrible for two games, and he's good enough to get 20. The the Suns' defense is really, really good on the perimeter, and that's kind of what's been annoying him. But I think at home he can break through after having two bad games. I I don't know. I like the Brunson over. So I think if if Dallas is going to win this game, it's going to be defense. It's going to be defense. They're going to lock down the Suns somehow. The Suns are going to have a bad shooting night. Um, We've seen Booker sometimes have bad shooting nights. Sometimes Chris Paul can't get things going. We saw that in the first half in game two. So maybe this is just the game the Mavs lock down, and and they lock down defensively. They slow the pace. Luka does his thing, and we see a total that gets to like 208, 209, and and really flies at the under. So 
if I'm leaning anyway with the total going up and people expecting at least one of these games to go lower, maybe game three is the, the, the game where we see like one team get over 100. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking under for this game, especially if it gets out to like 220 or something, just because that'd be a five and a half point difference from the game one to yeah. game two. And that's that's a lot. That's a pretty big adjustment. Um, especially if I think the Mavericks are going to play well. I think it's a little yep. bit correlated. I don't know if I trust the Mavericks to win this game, but I think there's a couple ways where this game can go under the total no matter who wins and who loses. Yeah, and that's the weird thing about the Mavs is they have, throughout the regular season, they were the team that you'd watch them one game and you would think this is a team that could make the finals if they played like this every single night. And then there were games that we've seen against the Suns where they can't hit, yeah. they get into foul trouble, they don't look like they can shoot, and – I think we're going to get some regression towards the mean for both these teams. And that's why I like Dallas first half, because at the very least, I think Dallas will compete starting first game at home in this playoff series. They're going to get that minus one first half. Their plus four and a half point in the first half margin number is really good too, which is one of the better first half margins at home this season. So the numbers all trust Dallas and I'm a big numbers guy. The eye test says maybe not (laughs) that the Suns are just the better team, but I'm going to try to ride with the numbers, put on my thick glasses Getting the nerd voice going, and I'm going to go Dallas first half for sure. Now, will I live bet the Suns at halftime if Dallas is up? Damn right. I think I will (laughs) because we saw it in game two because they got a guy named Chris Paul who is just unbelievable in the playoffs, especially when they need scoring. So I would probably lean Dallas first half, and if you're in a space where you can live bet at halftime, play Dallas first half, hope that hits, live bet the Suns second half, I think is really the game plan for a game like this. Yep, I like that approach. Uh, Saturday's games. Yeah. Got two games on Saturday. Celtics at the Bucks. One of uh, my favorite series going on at this point. Tied 1-1, going back to Milwaukee. The land of cheese curds, which, by the way, I don't know if you saw, they're handing out cheese curds cards in Milwaukee that you can buy, and you get cheese curd discounts at 20 different restaurants in Milwaukee. Is that set the game or just in the city of That's Milwaukee? just in the city. Okay. So maybe the Celtics <laughs> take advantage. Then you hit the Bucks uh. minus three for sure on that one. <laughs> uh, but that line is Bucks minus three, total 213. Um, the series prices are intriguing because if you like the Bucks, you can get them plus money at 105 yeah. uh, to win the series. And we don't – I don't know if you saw anything about Chris Middleton. It's kind of been on the down low about when expectations are that he'll come back. But if you think he'll come back for the series, that plus 105 is looking a little sexy. Yeah, I'm assuming he's not going to play just because that's all the reporting. And I think – just based on the odds, that that's kind of what's indicated um, in terms of the Celtics being a small favorite, even though they lost home court, uh, losing game one this past Sunday. It was a weird series because we had Sunday afternoon, Tuesday evening, and now we have to go all the way to, I guess it's afternoon, but Saturday afternoon. So a long layoff, and I wonder which team that helps. It, it might be the Celtics because, you know, I texted you about – Marcus Smart maybe being yeah, a not deserving aggressive. defensive player of the year when the Celtics held the Bucks to 41st half points. We're up by 25. That um, He's, you know, for a game, especially on the road, he is going to be a useful player for them, a player they need. So I think that extra rest might actually help the Celtics in this game. I'm pretty torn, though. Just this game, this series, uh, Celtics closed four and a half in both game one and two. So you flip home court, maybe give the Bucks a little bit of an extra boost for home court because that's a loud crowd, and Celtics also have a good home court edge. So I could see three and a half points for each side. So Bucks minus two and a half, minus three makes a lot of sense. Total goes under in both games. Game one, close to 17 and a half, goes under 
pretty easily as the Bucks went out, got out to a big lead in the second half. And then I guess even a bigger blowout, I guess, or lopsided game. Uh, total closes to 215.5 in game two. Celtics win easily, get out to a big lead and hang on. Now we're down to 212.5. Are you still thinking that this is a series that goes under the total? Or do you think maybe the time to kind of go against the grain, bet over because it has adjusted five points from the game one close of 217.5? Well, you know me. I, I love going against the grain of things that have been happening, going against the trends. I, I think you can normally make money in the long term doing something like that, especially with totals. And I'm terrible with totals a lot of the time, especially in the NBA, definitely in college basketball. I absolutely <laughs> hate totals in college basketball, yes. but definitely in the NBA as well. I would honestly probably yes. I would go over, um, and we know the Bucks. And the thing is too, we know the Bucks are are not a good three point shooting defensive team, and that's on purpose. You know they want teams to shoot threes. They lock down the paint, and the Celtics have been taking it to heart. They've been shooting fifty threes. They were they sh- yeah. they're jacking them up, and they were hitting them in game two. They weren't hitting them in game one, and I think. Again, we're going to go to the regression towards the mean here. I don't think the Celtics are going to clank all their shots, but I don't think they're going to hit a bunch like they did in game 2. And the Heat are not going to or the the Bucks are not going to take 18 three-pointers again. They're going to take 33 pointers. I don't know how the hell they only took 18 threes in game 2. Right. But they're going to be taking more. So I think we're going to see the Celtics still hitting a good shot portion of their threes. The Bucks are definitely going to bring their shooting back at home where they have the second best scoring margin in the first half. So I would lean towards the over, especially now that the total's going down. I've, I could yeah. see a 215, 220 type of game here. Uh, and my bet for this game is going to be Bucks first half. I okay. love first half. First half guy. Hey. And they, again, second best scoring margin at home in the first half for the Milwaukee Bucks all season long. This team loves to play at home. Minus one and a half is what you can get them at as the favorite. I'm taking the Bucks first half. They're going to be shooting more threes. They're going to be hitting more threes. If they take 39 threes or something a game. And they only hit, they only went to 18 in game two. So we're going to see a lot more three-pointers from both teams. Game three, points on the board, Bucks with the lead at halftime. I have no idea who to bet for the full game. I may right. just sit back and, and watch and hope for a fun game and hope it hits the over. For sure. But this is like the quintessential live betting type of game because it's going to be close. You know, Suns-Mavs, you may see the Suns run away with it. We may even see a Dallas running away with it in that game. Uh, with the Heat 76ers, Heat might run away with it. But with the Celtics Bucks, they're going to trade leads back and forth, especially in the second half yeah. if it's close. So this is going to be a really fun live betting opportunity game, but I'm going Bucks first half. And the first two games weren't that exciting in terms of final score, but I think just based on the series price where it's so even and this yeah. spread being so short for the Bucks that we're going to see some pretty good games from this series. So it would make sense to start in game three after the first two games weren't very entertaining all the fun games are on saturday looks like grizzlies warriors i was thinking that like the this week the monday wednesday games haven't been that great no. but these like the saturday tuesday or sunday tuesday how it's been paired up has been good so saturday definitely uh the series that are most competitive um at least so far yeah this grizz Warriors series has been awesome also one one yep back to the bay area minus six and a half for the warriors 226 and a half is the total if you still like the grizzlies and I could see why you would. I don't know if I'd recommend it, but they are plus 210 to win the series. Tied 1-1. to Yeah. Even though it's going back to California, going back to, to the Bay Area. I, I, I like the under in this one as I was talking to you, kind of figuring out what to bet for this game. 226.5. It's a little high. The Warriors back home this season hit a majority of their games hit the under. 25 out of 41 games at home have hit the under. 
I think Ja gets his under 27 and a half. I think it, it goes back to where he hit a lot of threes in game two. Right. And they let him hit a lot of threes in game two. They they sagged off him. I think they're going to continue to sag off him. He's not going to make as many. Especially on the road. That makes a yes. lot of sense to me. Uh, in terms of the total of the series, game one, 223, goes over. Uh, the X game, adjust up four points. And even though like in game one, like the Warriors players, even though they won, they weren't playing well like statistically. No. 18% Had a lot of points. from three, I think. Yeah. They didn't shoot well. Uh, so game two total closes two twenty seven and a half, and it goes well under the total. And now we're kind of in between. So in terms of the total, probably going to stay away. And one reason I'm going to stay away is because I bet a lot of unders in the Nuggets Warriors series, thinking <laughs> that there was going to yeah. be some like regression. But like every game somehow it kept going over. So probably going to stay away from the total in this game. Maybe get involved later in the series, as I like to do with NBA series. Uh, in terms of the side. Six and a half Warriors were a two and a half point favorite in game one, one and a half point favorite up one nothing in the series in game two. Now it's one one. Um, I don't know what to do with this side, honestly, in this game. I think the Warriors are very likely to win. I wouldn't be surprised if they won the next two games. I think one way, if you want to play the series and don't want to lay minus 275 with the Warriors, is you can bet them on the series spread minus one and a half at a pretty uh, decent VIG, minus 125. I'm sure you can shop that. But if you just think the Warriors are going to win three of the next four games, and I think that's the most likely outcome. I think that's the way to attack the Warriors. I wouldn't be laying the points with the Warriors because I think there's a little bit of a premium on the point spread in their games just because they played so well this postseason. But if you think they're just going to win, I, I would go Warriors series spread, minus one and a half, basically saying Warriors to win in five or six games. And that's about even money. Yeah, I like it. And the Warriors' defense has been not great. They've been yeah. frustrating. If someone For someone like you who's bet the under in their games with the Nuggets, which I thought was probably pretty good moves, yeah. they're the sixth worst defense in the playoffs in terms of points given up. They just they can't do it. Steph's never been a great defender, and he's getting older. Clay's never been a great defender. Jordan Poole is up and down. He's young. He's, yeah. he's kind of a sieve at some points. <laughs> And then you just got Draymond, who's trying to help out with everything, but he can't do everything himself while he's kicking guys in the nuts and everything like that. He's He's got other stuff he's got to be doing. Right. So they've never been a great defensive team, and a team like the like the Grizz, who go back and forth, back and forth, they love to run. I could see why people, why this number continues to go up to 26 and a half. But game three, they're tied. Things are going to slow down. I, I, you're not going to see Jog at 47 points again, I don't think since I'm betting the under. I, I just think everything kind of slows down. Teams get more serious. And as the series goes on, you've said totals, you bet the under more and more. So I think this is a game three under for the Grizzlies and the Warriors. Like the jaw under. I like the Clay Thompson under. 21 and a half. I was shocked it was that high because it was 21 and a half for game two. And I think he had 12. He, he's, he's shot in the teens. Yeah. His, his points have been in the teens. 15 has been kind of the most points he's had in a while. And people are expecting he goes back to the Bay Area, back home. He gets his points. Right. Over 21 and a half. Uh uh. <laughs> uh uh, Nate. Let's go under. Under 21 and a half. Take advantage of all the, all the dumb fans that think he's just going to keep shooting and go off just because he's home. Let's go under 21 and a half for Clay Thompson. As we record right now, I just saw on Twitter that Dylan Brooks is officially suspended for game three. Wow. He was ejected from game two very early on. Breaking for news. A foul. 
I don't know if that means anything to the spread in your opinion. Uh, the war or the Grizzlies were able to still win. Actually, it looks like it does mean something to the spread Probably because I just point. look across the board and the Warriors just ticked up to minus seven there you go. across the board. And the total moved a little bit too from 220. It's now 225 and a half, 226 and a half at some places, 226. So definitely, you know, we're recording this very early. News can break. So make sure to check things. But uh, as we talk now, Dylan Brooks is out, and the Warriors got out to minus seven in this game. Yeah, I, I, that would change a little bit what I think of the Grizz would it and ch- maybe the John Moran. Would it change anything in terms of uh, the Clay Thompson points prop, or was he, I, I don't even know who no. he's being assigned to. I, I don't. I don't think I would change the Clay prop. I still like the under twenty one and a half. I really expected it to be like. 17 and a half maybe 18 and a half with the way right. he's been playing since he hasn't been able to get over 15 but it's jacked up to 21 and a half man i'll, I'll take advantage of that all day hit for the sure. under for that one now the jaw at 27 and a half with no dylan brooks eh, maybe maybe think that over yeah. a little bit more well it might even go up a little bit yeah if that too. goes up yeah. 28 and a half 29 hit the under i would say yeah i just i think this is an under game i really do and if you can grab it at 26 and a half even when this is out great do it maybe the market corrects itself it goes low for a little bit by by friday morning it'll go back up i, I don't really know how the market is going to go here but for morant for for the under uh, oh, for, for, the, for under. the total under for 220 because you said it was what down to what 225 yeah 225 and a half in one place 226 at another so yeah. it just kind of depends on where you look yeah i still like the under i i really do uh for a game like this so that's what we think for the uh, nba playoff games friday and saturday we want to talk a little bit of NFL win totals because yes. there has been uh, some movement since draft day in Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, great city. Great city to host the yeah, draft. You spent a lot of time there. I did. It brings out the crazies, <laughs> which is entertaining for me. Yeah. There's there's nothing more crazy than an NFL fan, and there's nothing more crazy oh. than an NFL fan in Vegas. <laughs> yes. A city where you can drink on the street. <laughs> yes. That's just a dangerous combination. We have had some teams trending towards the over. And their win total. Yeah. And it's five teams, Lions, Packers, Colts, Jets, and Eagles. And it makes sense for some of these teams. I was looking through the Lions today at work. They had a good draft, as we saw. They went defense. Uh, they went Aiden Hutchinson, of course, yep. on the defensive line, which they need. They have terrible quarterback pressure last season. Those numbers were awful. Um, and then you look at teams like the Eagles, and it makes sense why it's trending more towards the over. It went from 8.5 at minus 115 to 8.5 at minus 150. And yeah. they're going to have A.J. Brown, so I'm yeah. sure that helps. That's the biggest driver here. And they had a good draft. Yeah, I think the biggest driver for sure, A.J. Brown, that big draft night trade involving the Tennessee Titans sending over A.J. Brown to the Eagles. And I think now the Eagles are kind of this trendy team. Yeah, They have a lot of pretty good weapons around Jalen Hurts. I think that question is, could he take the next step under second-year head coach Nick Sirianni running the the offense and calling plays for him? So that's the big question for the Eagles. Uh, I think they've kind of been the trendy team of the week, at least in the NFC. Uh, There's a team in the AFC I want to touch on who kind of won the draft, in air quotes, uh, (laughs) who've gotten some support at their win total. But definitely the biggest one has been the Eagles, up 35 cents on the uh, over 8.5 at BetMGM. That's crazy. And then the Lions, of course, they go from 6.5 at plus 120 to 6.5 at plus 115. Minor tweak. 
very minor tweak on the Lions, very minor tweak on the Packers. Yep. Uh, the other ones, though, interesting, the Colts from 9.5 minus 125 to 9.5 minus 140. And part of that could be a division uh, opponent or division rival in the Tennessee Titans getting weaker without A.J. Brown and maybe the direction that team is going in. But I think there's a lot of belief now in, in Matt Ryan being a big upgrade over Carson Wentz. The Colts were a team when we were recording NFL podcasts, especially late in the year, a team I was like, I like this team a lot. Yeah. They're going to be a dangerous playoff team. They just need to beat the Raiders or Jaguars in Week 17 or 18. They lose both, and yes. they miss out on the playoffs. I really think they would have been a perfect playoff team in terms of, I mean, the quarterback play they weren't getting much out of, but you have Jonathan Taylor and potentially bad weather with a good offensive line and some pretty good defensive players. I think that the Colts, even though they didn't have a first-round pick, it makes sense that people are starting to come around to the Colts, even though they – you know they added players in the draft and i think the value that they got in those players a lot of people who do draft analysis like what the colts did mm-hmm. i don't think that's going to like give them a huge upgrade right away but i think people are just kind of realizing colts maybe a team that because they missed the playoffs last year they could be undervalued and then the titans losing a big piece in aj brown hurts their outlook they got that uh, the old chip on the shoulder yeah, Can't make the playoffs. A lot of players uh, got a bitter taste in their mouth. They're disappointed yeah. in last year. They're ready to go for next year. Uh, we'll see a lot of those articles now <laughs> and all summer. And and Matt Ryan, I think, still maybe has a little bit left the tank. And I trust yeah. Frank Reich to make sure he you know puts him in the right situations. The real team, I though, I want to talk about who've we've seen it move twenty five cents in their win total at MGM Jets from over five and a half minus one twenty. About seven days later, now we're looking at over five and a half, minus one forty-five. And I know the Jets are the butt of a lot of jokes, but they did a great draft. And I don't know if those players are going to be you know instant impacts, but just in terms of value, you get Sauce Gardner, the star cornerback from the Cincinnati Bearcats, and cornerback a premium position. And that's why we saw two cornerbacks go in the top four in Derek Stingley and Sauce Gardner. So you get Sauce Gardner at four get Garrett Wilson at 10 and then you trade up in the first round and get an edge rusher Jermaine Johnson who on the day of the draft his over under draft position market was nine and a half so people expected him to go in the top 10 so they got a guy who was supposed to go in the top 10 potentially to the Jets maybe they could have gotten him at 10 and then they go out and get him at 26 and then they get Brees Hall at the beginning of the second round. So I think there's a lot of excitement that the Jets got players who can make a very a difference early in their careers and probably give them a boost. You also have Zach Wilson, if you can take that step from rookie year to second year, only asking that team to win six games. It makes a lot of sense why there's been a lot of money on the Jets over since the draft from 5.5 minus 120 to minus 145. Let's look at some of the unders as well. <laughs> uh, teams trending with their number going under even more with the Falcons and the Chiefs, the Rams, and the yeah. Giants. Um, which team out of those four – well, you could see who moved the biggest, of course, to where their under became more favored. Uh, but what what intrigues you the most out of those four? Well, I think just in general, this isn't based on the draft results for any of these teams. And I think in general, even though I do love betting the draft and watching the drafts fun, and I'm sure covering the draft in Vegas was fun, Ben. Too fun, honestly. But really the draft's overrated in terms of like how the teams will do this year. Uh, we're not seeing huge adjustments in a lot of these win total numbers. And maybe we'll get more stuff when these numbers become more available elsewhere, maybe taking bigger limits will like cause changes. 
Um, maybe the schedule in a way where we can see like if teams have big rest advantages or disadvantages throughout the year, that could be a thing. Uh, but other teams you mentioned right there, because like the Giants, like people like love their draft, getting Cave on yeah. Thibodeau at five, getting Evan Neal at seven, but there's some money uh, minus one fifty five under seven and a half now minus one sixty. So the Giants aren't like getting bet over because they were one of the teams that may have won the draft. And another team that had a really good draft from a lot of analysts are the Kansas City Chiefs. And obviously we know what the Chiefs pedigree has been the last few years, hosting all those AFC title games, winning a Super Bowl, making it to a Super Bowl another time. But now they're under before the draft was ten and a half plus one fifteen. And now it's ten and a half minus one oh five, so about a twenty cent change, kind of the Chiefs trending down. And I think that's more because of their schedule. It's one going to be one of the toughest schedules in the league, playing in the AFC West. And if you kind of look at strength of schedule based on teams' win totals for next year, the Chiefs are going to have one of the toughest schedules in the NFL. You trade for Tyreek Hill. You have kind of a group of unproven receivers or receivers who aren't bona fide number one stars. Like Juju Smith Schuster, you draft Skylar Sky Moore from Western Michigan. Like those are nice players, maybe on paper, but are they going to hit the ground running in Week One? I think there's a lot of doubts about that. So I don't think it's really draft related because the Chiefs did draft two potential day one stars on defense in the first round. But I think just the schedule and then losing Tyreek Hill and maybe Travis Kelsey getting a little bit older has there some worries about the Chiefs offense being as dominant as they've been the last few seasons. And we looked at the Falcons and we were looking at them during work and we're like, oh, okay. well, how much do you believe in Marcus Mariota as the starting (sighs) quarterback? And, you know, if he doesn't do well, you're going to have to believe in Desmond Ritter. So I don't really know where you go with the Falcons. It's at four and a half with the under continuing to be more juiced from minus 105 to now minus 115. Uh, the Falcons are going to be doo-doo. Yeah, uh, you mentioned Mariota. I don't know, a quarterback I maybe once believed in and I still think could be decent, but if you just look at the weapons around <laughs> him. He's got nothing. I mean, one of the reasons Matt Ryan was so bad in Atlanta the last few years is because their offensive line yeah. was horrible, and you have a quarterback like that. I know Mariota's can maybe move a little bit better than with his legs and get out of some pressure, but when you're throwing it to the best player, Kyle Pitts, who's going to be a second-year tight end, still learning the position, and then Drake London, who's super young, battled injuries in college. I mean, I think for a long-term prospect, he's probably going to be an awesome player, and they're going to throw him in the fire in week one. I don't know how efficient he's going to be for the Falcons and have like a kind of like a Jamar Chase-like rookie season or Jeff, Justin Jefferson. I think that's unlikely, especially just the state of this offense is so bad. But it's funny because their win total is so low, four and a half, but they're in a division with the Panthers who have a win total of five and a half. So like a team like the Falcons, even though they're going to be really bad, probably a team you're not going to want to back early on in the season against the spread until the market catches up to them and they're big underdogs in, in games. But, like, they could definitely, like, accidentally get to five wins. We see it all the time in the NFL. <laughs> like, like, the Texans true. won four games last year, and they were they were horrible. So, yeah. like, you can accidentally, based on scheduling quirks or, like, getting the right team at the right time in terms of, like, injury to the quarterback, maybe they could sweep the Panthers, and then they only need three more games. So, uh, I'm not sure what to make of the Falcons. I don't think I would touch it, but I think it's fascinating that a team that's, like, the last few years have been lined – kind of like as a 500 team in that seven and a half eight eight and a half win total area are now all the way down to four and a half because they traded away matt ryan now is this a better or worse team than the 2021 texans 
I think it has to be a little bit better just because the Texans entered the season last year just I think their win total may have been like three and a half or some spots. Yeah, we discussed it at length. Yeah, (laughs) we we definitely did, and they went over. I guess the close. They definitely went under the their opening win total. But I think that the Falcons, at least, there's maybe some like young players that there's excitement. But the Texans were just like all veterans who like just like probably shouldn't have been in the league but they did still like they got the third pick so they weren't even worse than the uh the lions or the uh the jaguars in terms of record uh maybe in power rating they were as bad as those teams plus the the jets and then when daniel jones went down <laughs> for the giants as i'm just kind of reliving the what a season uh, the days of betting nfl teams in december <laughs> and trying to see if i had the, the worst uh, if i had the uh the bravery to back some of those teams in like week 14 through 18 (laughs) i'm looking forward to that got months down the road uh but yeah that'll do it for us uh we've got nba friday saturday good luck to everybody on that we'll uh we'll we'll be back next week yeah we'll stuff we'll definitely do something Uh, nhl playoffs are going on yeah we should have alexis on yeah we'll definitely do that i've been tweet not tweeting out but i've been uh tiktok i've been posting some bets and also on the tracking apps at at Nate Jacobs one on action and bet stamp you can find follow us at twitter is the best way and then you can find on our bio what to do there had some bets in the nhl on wednesday night went two and one hope to have some more throughout the playoffs in both the nba and nhl and i'll have uh my golf article will be tuesday we have a major in two weeks and i know ben will still have some nba articles during the playoffs there you go we're, we're gonna get you dancing on tiktok at some point <sighs> i don't know if i, I can do dance. that we're, it's gonna happen i like talking and explaining things i don't like, <laughs> you don't like interpretive to like, dancing it i definitely do not <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll get you to do it at some point but yeah follow, follow nate on tiktok he, he he gets the views you go viral every once in a while, so that's yeah. always fun. But yeah, subscribe to the pod. We'll be out, and you'll get it right when it comes out next week as well. Till then, good luck to all you, to everyone on your bets. Yeah.